Hey friends, it's Coley. Welcome to another episode of Still With You. I'm so glad that you're here and I hope you had the most amazing 4th of July holiday weekend. It's been a month and a half since I have released new content and there's been many reasons why I felt the Lord leading me to do this, which I share in a quick voice memo that I recorded and released on this platform, Unpacking Plus Eternity. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. Today we are back. We're going to be releasing weekly episodes for the summer and fall season. And we've got some exciting guests that are coming up. Some that I think you're just going to be like, whoa, how did that happen? And same, same. I am so pumped about sharing. If you are new to listening to Still With You, there are over 95 episodes of meaningful conversation for you to listen to. Scroll back and press play so you won't miss a minute of this season of the podcast. Just because we took a break does not mean that we are starting slow. In fact, I want to ask you a few questions. Are you tired of lukewarm Christianity? Are you living a Christian life but lacking the power displayed by Jesus in the New Testament? Do you find yourself bouncing back and forth between skepticism and bold faith? Author and speaker Erica Willis asked herself these same questions. Desperate for more of God, she accepted a challenge to engage in daily prayer. Every morning, she woke up early, praying for one hour at 5 a.m., five days a week, Monday through Friday, for five weeks. With a freshly brewed cup of coffee in one hand and sometimes a begrudging spirit, she began pouring out her heart to God. And in less than five weeks, she was witnessing Him transform her safe, predictable Christian faith into an earth-shattering adventure. This daily practice that began in the comfort of Erica's own living room has not only bloomed into an international prayer ministry, The Fives, but also a book, Believe Boldly. On this episode of Still With You, Erica shares her story of moving from a normal, safe, predictable faith to embracing God's power through simple yet bold prayer. Friends, this conversation with Erica is challenging in the best way possible. Her love for the local church and Kansas City barbecue is a fun blessing. Come grab a comfy seat, a copy of Believe Boldly, and maybe a savory stack of ribs. I am so excited for you to join us on this episode of Still With You. It is my honor to welcome to the podcast author and speaker Erica Willis. I'm already loving your office. You have so many cool paintings. What I'm really drawn to are colors. So I end up picking random pictures, but they all pretty much seem to be the same color. But I live in this big Victorian home. Not a big Victorian home, but like tall ceiling, you know? (laughs) So you have to fill the wall space like 12 feet up. So behind me, this is actually our ship. Look, our ship wall. (laughs) I love it. Every fancy house has to have a ship wall. Like, come on now. So when I went to buy it, because it's, I mean, it's pretty big. And I went to buy it and I told my husband, it was like a joke picture. And he was like, oh, I'm down. (laughs) So it's funny when people think it's like a very serious piece of art. I'm like, it's actually really funny. And I have another ship to add up. We're just going to keep putting ships on the wall. Do you specifically pick art that friends have painted for you? Or do you just go for flea market, whatever kind of draws your eye? Uh, Yeah, I love the flea market stuff. I like the treasure hunt of, you know, old and, and new things put together. So I really like flea markets. I like garage sales. I love garage sales. 
that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love it. Also, speaking of ships, do you have access to water? Do you guys have a boat or anything nautical well, like that? <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal. We do not because we are a ministry. So we only make so much money, right? <laughs> but my in-laws got a boat last summer and it is the greatest thing ever. So it's about an hour to get to a, a pretty large lake where we can go out on the boat. That's right. the key. Having friends or family with a boat, you don't own the boat. You find the people who do and then you buddy up. All the perks, none of the yeah. payment, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Hudson Oaks. That's where y'all are, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're I'm our church is in Hudson Oaks. Our home is in Weatherford, but it's pretty much like they all blend together. There's not really a distinction between the area. It's really small hometown. My husband grew up in Weatherford his whole life um, and only moved away when he met me. So mm-hmm. the power of love, right? <laughs> and yes. then when we moved back, there's been um, a ton of growth since then. So there's this struggle between old Weatherford and Hudson Oaks and new Weatherford and Hudson Oaks. You know, it's the, we want it to stay small town. Nobody new come here. And then all the new people are coming in saying, we should change everything and make it better. And, you know, so there's yeah. that tension there. But that's so fun that you can even see it from where it's originally and growing. Like, I love being a part of something in its original buildup and then kind of seeing like, I don't know. Like, do you feel like that at all too? Like, yeah, you get to be part of the bigger story, I think. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I was drawn to this house that we bought because it's, it's, it was built in 1904. It's a Victorian. It's like a staple. It's on a corner lot. You know, like it's been here forever. I love the history. I love the bones. I love the idea that people lived here long before I did and established their families before I did. So I love that the historic piece of, yeah, being a part of the beginning or a part of Mm -hmm. the small and then getting to grow into the big is super exciting for me. And to kind of jump right into it, I feel like you and your husband also, but I mean, with the fives, do you like watching things build from the ground up in that aspect too? Not just in like your location and your house, but like starting projects and inviting God in to say, okay, I'll go as far as you want this to go. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Erica, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I like to start things for sure. I'm definitely an innovator. I like to think outside the box. I like to try new things. Uh I like to see what God does with that, especially when exactly as you said, like I say, okay, God, this is all yours. What do you want to do with it? And I'll just be obedient to do it. But I think everyone struggles with this. A little bit of your flesh gets in there and you want it to be successful or you want it to grow because if it doesn't, what does that mean about you? Or does that mean you didn't do a good job or, you know, that sort of thing. So what I find is that when, when God puts something big on my heart in the beginning, I'm terrified to even start it because I think this will amount to nothing. Right. And then when I get in it and it amounts to something, then I'm terrified that it'll become too big and I can't handle it anymore. And right. So it's like, no matter which I'm in, whether it's in the grassroots beginning or in the, you know, the culmination of it, I'm always terrified in my humanity that I'm going to mess it up. So then what do we do? Because say that we have a promotion at work and we're like, we've prayed for this. And then all of a sudden it's here and we're like, oh no, all the responsibility or we're the bottom man on the totem pole. And we're like, I'm craving more responsibility. Like I'm scared. I'm always going to be, how do we, we walk with God in that. And then also at the same time, not lose our self-confidence in like the plans he called us to. The thing that God speaks to my heart a ton is Philippians four, where Paul talks about being content in any and every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, then he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. So he's talking about when I don't have enough food to eat, I can do it through Christ. And when I've got way more food than I can handle, I can do it through Christ. So for me, it's really good to reframe that piece because God has purpose 
like you said, in the small things and the large things. So whether I'm developing who I am and strong faith base for me to go into the next season, or whether I'm in the next season and overwhelmed with the level of responsibility that I've been entrusted with, God is always pointing back to himself and saying, girlfriend, I don't care if you think you're small potatoes or some big fancy thing, you can't do either of those without me. Oh, that's so true. And then it's like the pressure's off also. Right? <laughs> right? You you hope it is. And then you got to remind yourself every day, you know, like when you feel that pressure, like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Or I, you know, I really should be digging in more or doing, you know, for my, for yeah. me and believe boldly, it was, I should make more posts on Instagram or I should post on the blog more. Or I should do these things. I'm letting people down. And then God's like, Hey, Erica, did I ask you to write today? Well, no. Well, then why are you thinking you have to write? You know, so it's always realigning our priorities and our schedule according to what God has for us, not what we just created for ourselves. And what I love also is that you are giving space and teaching us how to do that from like the beginning of our day. So here's what I know. And here's also what our friends will remember is my friend, Pastor Avery Forrest from Anchor Point, who we all know and love. She shared with me that she went through the fives, which I'm going to ask you, if you could maybe break that down in a second too. It changed her life. It was also really hard. She said that too, but it was really, she said it changed her life. And then what's funny is I have another friend who has also been on the podcast. Her name's Molly King. She went through it as well. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I cannot wait for this to come out because I don't know how many of my other friends have been through the fives before. (laughs) And I want to hear about that and if you could explain it. And also, do you have one coming up soon for, or like in the next few months? Because after hearing our conversation, I think like a lot of our people love challenges. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Okay, so um, a little bit for the, about the fives, for those who don't know, um, it's something that God originally laid in my husband's heart. It was a challenge from his pastor, our pastor, to get up with him and another guy at five in the morning um, every day and just spend that time in prayer. At the time, he was going to school full time. We had two little ones at home. I mean, we're talking like in the middle of the night feedings, all of that. He was going to, I don't know if I said school, school full-time, work full-time, uh-huh. brand new kids, all of this. And we're helping plant a church, a new church in the, in Kansas city here. My pastor throws in this extra challenge and I was not happy about it. <laughs> I told my husband he was crazy. And I was like, listen, you barely get enough sleep as it is. And mm-hmm. now you're going to be cranky because you don't have, you have less sleep than before. I'm going to be stuck taking care of the kids. I was not a very supportive wife <laughs> in this thing. I was like, forget prayer, help me wash the dishes, you know? So yeah. anyway, he started doing this and he got up consistently and started praying and what I saw was a change in him that I had never seen before. You know, at that point in time, we've been married about seven or eight years. We've always been in ministry together. We've always really been chasing after God, but there was something different about him putting this prayer time intentionally at the beginning of his day. And for the length of time that he was pursuing it, when that happened, I was like, I I felt this tug in my heart of, okay, maybe I need to try this. Maybe there's something to this that I didn't realize that I just thought prayer is prayer, right? Like I pray all day long. Like a lot of us will say this Christians, I pray all day long. And you know, I pray before my meals and that's good enough. Yeah. Well, um, this intentional hour time, I started trying to do it as well with Joey. And I started to feel a shift in myself and I saw God begin to change who I was and how I viewed the world and how I parented and all of those things. And so I started sharing my testimony on the blog that I had started because again, I was a stay at home mom and I was itching to do something creative and something that was more than just playing blocks on the floor, you know, just, it's just my makeup. I need to be doing things, you know, in that, um, I shared the story and suddenly my friends started texting me and saying, Hey, can we get up with you at five and do this? And I was like, okay, I guess like we can just text each other and make sure everybody's awake and then say, you know, have fun praying or whatever. So you all would just like text each other and then individually in your own homes be like, 
okay, we're all committing this next hour, unifying, but you're not on a Zoom call or anything. Exactly. Yeah. You're not seeing each other. You're not seeing the hot mess of the 5 a.m. call, right? And it's so funny because now I look back and like back then it was not a thing to like do things as a community, but separately. It would be like, well, how do we open the church up for this prayer time? Or how do we get everybody to to one person's house? So it was a, it really was a new concept for us. Hey, you do it in the comfort of your own home and I'll do it in mine. And then we'll check in at the end and see- what God said. So that grew from a a text group of like seven to 10 ladies that doubled and then tripled and then, you know, just kept building. And at the height of it all, I think we were at 750 ladies across the United States, across, you know, overseas, we had people in Germany and England and Switzerland that were joining in at different time zones. And it was cool to watch how people said exactly what you mentioned Avery said, which was, this was so hard, but it has absolutely changed my life. Right. Um, and, I, and I know that's true because it changed my life. So as far as another session, I'm in a different season of life right now <laughs> with okay. a one-year-old because we adopted. And uh, so I have not done a five session for the entire year. The shift in the ministry is that we are now in a place where we want to equip women to do this on their own without the, the central hub. Of oh, that's brilliant. Before. Our next thing that we're doing is we're releasing a five session that's going to be for your mobile phone. You can just, you know, do it digitally and you pick your people. You say, oh my gosh, I have five best friends that I want to do this with. And we're just going to keep each other accountable. So we'll believe will really become a tool that provides the, the prayer prompts in the morning that say, hey, pray about this or read this Bible verse or think about these things. And then you all get to do what you feel led to do in your community, in your church, in your mom's group, whatever it is that works best. My goodness, that is brilliant. When does this release? Will all the information also be on your website? Yeah, it'll all be on the website. The the timeline on that is is up in the air right now. That's okay. <laughs> I, started, I started a um, new role. I'm actually working for the church now, which is great. But during all the freezing in Texas that everyone hopefully heard about, all yeah. of our, our water systems at the church exploded <laughs> basically and flooded our whole building. So we're knee deep in reconstruction of all of our kids' ministries and preschool ministries and all that. So um, the timeline keeps getting bumped, but it will be there eventually. This is New River Fellowship, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay. For any of our friends who are in the area, I was, I'm such a, like a local church girl. Yes. Erica, I have this dream. I want to have this place where our friends can like say, Hey, I'm in this area. I'm looking for a local church and I can expand my friend network. So I'm like, Oh, hi, I know this person who this is where you need to get plugged in. So like any chance I can, when I have a friend who's like, I have a church in this city, I'm like, okay, all of our friends in that city, if you're looking for a church, go find Erica and Joey. You know? Yes, totally, totally. I'm the same. You know, before I ever did Believe Boldly, we, like I said, we did church planting for years. My heart beats for the local church. Yeah. I'm so passionate about equipping people to live out their faith boldly, wherever they are, whatever their church denomination is. What I mean, like we're all a part of the big C church. So to me, exactly what you're saying, like if I can connect one friend over here with this friend over here and, and help yes. them be strengthened in Christ, then like that is a huge win for me. This was not in my questions, but, and so you don't have to answer it if you're like, I need time to think about it. But sometimes I will hear people say this and I honestly like have trouble answering it. So I feel like maybe you could help me with this. I have sometimes heard people say, I don't feel led to go to church because I can experience church in my backyard or uh, when I'm barbecuing with friends or on a car ride. And I I, when I go to approach, I'm like, absolutely. You can experience the presence of God wherever. Why do we need church? Like why church is God's idea, not ours. So like, tell me how I answer that and help my friends if they even need help. Like is, what do I say when questions like that come up? I agree with what you're saying that of course God can be found everywhere. Some of my most intimate times with the Lord have been sitting 
on my back porch, uh, looking at the stars, praying at, you know, five in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. and so to say that, yes, you can experience God anywhere is absolutely true. But I think what I have found in my years of ministry is when someone says, I don't need the church, mm-hmm. there is a wound somewhere. There's a missed expectation. There's a hurt somewhere in their heart that either church didn't meet the need that they thought that it would. They were hurt by a pastor or someone on staff who didn't treat them the way or recognize the ministry they felt was on their heart. Yeah. There's typically some sort of root there, a spiritual root that says the church is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when that happens, we have to dig deep in ourselves to say, okay, why don't I think I need the church? Because I'll argue all day as they may, the Bible tells us that we are not to, supposed to stop meeting as a community and a community of believers. And, and that's not, I'm in my house with my husband and my kids and that's church. The, the Bible's very clear that we all have different parts of the body that come together to build his body, his bride, right? Jesus speaks so much about coming back for the bride of Christ, which is the church, the believers, the people who have come together to use their gifts, to use their talents, to glorify God. And I'm not going to get the full extent of what God has for me as a Christian. If I isolate myself from that experience, you don't like church, you're not going to like heaven a lot. We're going to be in huge groups worshiping the Lord. That is what church is about. Now, if you feel like church is about programs, if you feel like church is about checking the box, if you feel like church is, you know, not maybe not aligning with your worldview, whatever that is, then of course you're going to say, I don't want you anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing. But I would really challenge to people that think that, that say, Hey, if I really want to experience God, and if I want to see change in our faith walk or across the United States or across the world, I want to be a part of the change. I want to come in and contribute my gifts and things and my voice, because I'm really passionate about X, Y, and Z that the church hasn't been passionate about. Oh, that's so good. My, my favorite is like, you're not ex- experiencing like the fullness of yeah. your potential with your relationship with God and, and interacting with believers. Cause I think something that I heard last year was like, we read the Bible in part, like we're all meant to like, and I mean, I think you guys practice that perfectly with like the unity of prayer that it's meant to be done together. And so yeah. that played out in a daily practice of people across the world. I, when I think of prayer, I sometimes think of it as like, it's just like pinging up to heaven, you know, and it just yeah. like seeing that many of your people, your friends that has to melt the heart of the father. He Absolutely. has to love it. Absolutely. And one thing I want to touch on, that's really not a popular concept when it comes to going Bring to church. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning more about this. Cause I, I, I honestly had not been taught this growing up in the church, but now that my husband and I are in leadership positions at the church, um, we see this all the time. A lot of times Christians don't want to submit to authority. When you join a church and when you become part of a church, you are saying, I fall under the leadership and guidance of this pastor, this elder board, this deacon board, however it is that that church is led, those people are called to keep you accountable. They're called to challenge you. They're called to inspire you. There's so many things. And what a lot of Christians want is they want to come to the church and cherry pick the things that they really want or get to be a part of the ministries that they like or get some time on the platform to talk about their thing. But then they don't want the correction of the pastor or someone to come in and say, hey, I feel like maybe you missed the mark here, which God actually established that organization for our good, right? Like we all submit to someone. We submit to a boss at our jobs. Our kids submit to us as parents. We submit to our leadership. So 
If people are in a healthy church body with a pastor that loves them and cares for them, they've got to be willing to submit and honor and work alongside. Um, and a lot of people don't, right? It's we're in cancel culture. If you say something I don't like, if you yeah. make me feel bad, then I'm going to wash my hands and, and walk away. But I've seen such growth in people and myself included. I've had to submit to pastors my whole life and I haven't always yeah. liked it, you know, but what it's done is it's grown deep roots in my faith that are good and holy. And it makes me teachable to say, someone give me a reflection. Do you see anything in me that I can change or improve or be more like Christ? And it's such a great way to have community in the good and the hard, you know? I love that you're saying this because I don't want to be in the dark permission to call me out. So like our friends can do that, right? Like that's what our pastors and there are for, right? Yeah. yeah. And it can be such a growing experience Yes, when it's healthy, it really reflects the heart of God. Like we see that all throughout the new Testament, that the the disciples are constantly calling each other out on stuff or, or writing letters to the churches and saying, hey, get your act together, guys. (laughs) So it's a good thing. Yes, that's exactly right. Hey, friends, have you started a summer project? Are you looking for a summer project to start? Do you love podcasts? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, then I want to tell you about how to podcast with Coley Browning. I am someone who loves a summer project. Every time I've picked up something that's new, it challenges me, shifts my perspective, helps me with my skill set, all the best things. I am wondering if possibly you have had on your heart to start a podcast, but you don't know how to get started. Why not implement your enthusiasm for a summer project, create a podcast. Put all your energy into inspiring and encouraging others with a message that means the most to you. Starting a podcast is so much easier than you think. Whether you're a college student, entrepreneur, serving in ministry, or someone who just has a lot to say, hosting a podcast is the best way to get your message out there. And I am so excited to help. You can find How to Podcast with Coley Browning by visiting my website, coleybrowning.com. Click the tab, How a podcast with Coley Browning. It's already helped two of my friends start their own podcast. I cannot wait to listen and subscribe to your show. Let me know if you have questions and enjoy this fun, easy, encouraging step-by-step guide to create and launch your own podcast today. Thank you so much for Believe Boldly. What a gift. I heard someone say the other day that they were talking about like music and how albums are almost like altars. Like this is where God moved. When I read this book, I'm like, there's so many, like it's like a line of like altars where I feel like God just met you. And I am so thankful for your bravery and your transparency and just the hard work to write all of this. I love that you picked the color yellow because it's like pure gold. (laughs) Like absolutely pure gold. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you for those words. I don't know why I'm getting emotional with you. And it's, this is your heart. Like this is your story and your song. And so I, number one, I want all of our friends to go get it and just read it. Just start reading it. I was like looking through it and I I picked like one thing I wanted to talk to you about, but there's like so many things. Loved how you like wrote it right from your living room. Like I felt like I was right there with you in that. So anyway, brilliant writer and just absolutely amazing sharing the heart of the father in this, like so good. I cannot say enough. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think that what I was sharing earlier about, you know, God calls you to this thing that you feel like will be nothing. And, you know, and then it becomes something and you're suddenly like, I have all this responsibility and all these things I have to do. And, you know, hindsight, 2020 being almost 40 now, 
I knew at 18 that I was supposed to write a book. Oh, um, wow. And I was going to school to be a worship pastor. Um, I knew I was called to full-time ministry. Those were all things that were very evident to me at a very young age. But the writing thing, like, because I love words so much and because I love authors so much and because literature, like, Oh, I could, I could eat, breathe, sleep, literature, write great writers and poems and all of that. When God said, I want you to do that thing that you idolize the most. I was like, there's no way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I wrestled and I fought. There were times that I, in my walk with God, wrestled a lot and told him no a lot because I felt like I don't have a clue what I'm doing. God ask me to do the things I'm good at. Ask me to lead some worship somewhere. Ask me to speak somewhere. Ask, you know, do the things that I feel naturally equipped to do. And this is the thing that I had always dabbled in writing songs. See, it's funny because he shows me as I grow older, like you've always been writing Erica. (laughs) But in my mind, I'm like, well, a book, that's like 60,000 words. How do you even do that? I can't even write a paragraph, God. I didn't get my degree in grammar and English literature. I don't know. I literally am like, hey, what's up? You want to read my words? It took a really long time for me to be obedient, but I really feel like that breaking point that I write about in the book, if that hadn't happened, I couldn't have come to the breaking point and finally saying, okay, I'll write about it. Like when I was going through the experiences that I share and believe boldly, I wasn't writing a book. It was all, you know, hindsight 2020. Again, I'm looking back on the experience and saying, man, God, I see now what you were doing, even though in the moments I didn't know what you were doing. And I feel like he did the same thing with the book. I think he knew he had to start telling me at 18 to write this so that by the time I was like 35, (laughs) I would say yes. Were you journaling the entire time? Like, do you journal a lot, like from like 18? I mean, how do you remember some of the things where you're like the tiniest details of these stories? That's what I think I love so much about it. It's not only like it's scripture, it's teaching and instructing the rain on the tin roof at the retreat. I'm like, I want to be there. Like I felt like I was there. It wasn't so much from the journal. So I did review my journal stuff to remind uh-huh. myself, Oh, I forgot. Cause a lot of times the really cool stuff that God does is connecting six different pieces, you know, that come full circle and you go, Oh my gosh, my mind's blown. So yes. I did not forget those things, but truly when I'm writing those stories, I'm submitted to the Holy spirit and saying, God, take me back there. Remind me of the smells, remind me of the places, remind me of the people, remind me of the things that are important to you so that I can include them in the story. Because some of the stuff I've included might not have been important to me at that time, but it was like God showed me his heart and said, include that, say that say this piece, say that person's name, that sort of thing. Like I said, such a gift. Can we talk about one of the topics of the book? My word for this year is remove. And it is like terrified me, but also encouraged me. I feel like I'm drawn to hearing stories about people and times where God's worked in their life, where he's done some decluttering. My blue pin like scratched up that chapter of shedding skin. So (laughs) can you tell me a little bit about what it's like to lose weight in your mind and And sin, I guess mind and sin is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't verbally process. My husband is a verbal processor. Okay. He's like the girl in the relationship and I'm like the guy that gives you any, any, he's like fun and silly and wants to talk, 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 you know, and I'm like, let's accomplish some things. Let's check. Let's work on the house this weekend, get some things done. You know, he's like, let's go to the arcade. When it comes to how I, in my mind, reshape and get rid of the junk that I've put there. One of the things that's really, really difficult for me is to reframe the way that I think about who God is and who I am in relationship to God because I'm an achiever, because I like to check the box, because I like to make lists and that sort of thing. I tend to view God the same way. God, if I read my Bible and I pray for my hour in the morning and care for the homeless, then you're going to bless me or you're going to open doors for me or you're going to love me or any of those things. And one of the things that I felt like God kept saying to me through that season was, Erica, it's not about what you can do for me. 
And it's never been about what you can do for me. It's about what I can do for you and what I did for you on the cross. Um, So for me, a part of that shedding of the weight shedding of my mental stress was actually accepting the gift of Jesus. You can be a Christian and you can say, I love Jesus with all my heart, but to truly sit in his grace and the love that he had, that he sent his only son for us so that we can have eternity with him. Like what kind of love is that? And really letting that hit my heart the way that it's meant to hit my heart instead of, okay, well, I read about the crucifixion. Great. Moving on. Yeah. Um, And once I could accept that and sit in that, when he would reveal things to me that I needed to pull out of my life, it felt less like a to-do and more like a, a deep engagement with him. So when he would say to me, Erica, I would watch a TV show and he would say, Hey, Erica, do you think that this glorifies me? And instead of me going, Oh, I'll just turn it off. God check the box. I would say, huh? Well, here's why I like to watch it. Why are you asking me not to watch it? Oh, I what love that. The Holy mm-hmm. saying to me in this, um, because honestly, I gotta, I gotta be real honest. Um, I was just sharing this with our church group <laughs> last week. I throw a fit mentally with Jesus, when I see other people that are really holy, God honoring, powerful people in ministry, and they get to watch what they want, eat what they want, set their schedule how they want, and God uses them. And I would throw a fit and say, she can drink coffee when she wakes up. How can I, how come I can't drink coffee when I wake up? Or, you know, whatever the stipulations that he, these things that maybe I clung to a lot, he would pull them out of my life and I would feel the freedom of that. And then immediately my eyes would be drawn to someone else being powerful in ministry and say, ah, how come they get to, or how come I don't get to, or like what one example that might seem kind of silly, but it's a freedom we have in Christ to have a glass of wine or drink a beer occasionally or whatever. And I've always been okay with that freedom. And when Joey and I stepped into ministry with the church, God said, not anymore. And I was like, "Ah, what are you talking about? Like, it's a freedom we have in you. It's, it's not a big deal. And he kept showing me Erica, there are people that are looking to you. Erica, there is a place that I've put you in that I don't want you to, your mind to ever be hindered. The biggest ones he showed me was um, when I feel the Holy Spirit moving on me, It's a, I feel it physically. So I get like goosebumps up my back and, and all this crazy stuff. What he showed me is that wine can do the same thing to me. And he was like, I don't ever want you to have an experience with me after yeah. one glass of wine and not be able to tell if that was me or if that was the wine. It's a really large, big concept, but I feel like when the Holy Spirit starts to poke and prod at the parts of your heart, that he wants full control over, then you have to be willing to give it up. That is exactly what I think privately. And I am like, oh, wow, God, you didn't convict them like you convicted me about that. And now I feel like I'm missing out. Does that mean, and this is this is the trail I go, oh, does that mean I'm uncool? Does that mean I'm irrelevant? Mm-hmm. And am I outdated? Like what is yeah. the lie that I tell myself? And then when I walk that back, I'm like, oh, that's goofy. The thing that I felt like God said to me the most clear about all that is he said, Erica, have I called them to abstain from X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, well, God, I don't know. And he said, exactly. You don't know. So maybe I haven't called them to, because I felt freedom. Again, a glass of wine is the easiest example. <laughs> also, yeah. I'll just use that again. But uh-huh. I've always felt freedom to have a glass of wine, not to be under the influence of alcohol yeah. by any means, but to have a glass of wine with on a date night or whatever. I felt that freedom before. And so he was like, Erica, you felt that freedom before just because they feel that freedom now doesn't mean that they aren't listening to me or that you're listening to me better or whatever. It's like, he has a perfect plan for each of us. And we're all on a different journey and a different path. So to just be sure that 
I heard God for me and that's all that matters. That's exactly right. We just have to submit to the adventure of what that looks like and the discipline. I mean, it's hard sometimes to do that, but since that's something that you and your husband have like walked in now years, do you feel like there's any hope of, does it get easier? Is it still hard? Cause yeah. I'm thinking of like, if our friends, if somebody has something where God's like, Hey, like, I'd like to remove that. Like I can think of things in my own life, but God's yeah. like, I'd like to remove that. And they're thinking, okay, I'm now like six months into submitting to this new lifestyle, this new obedience with you, God, does year three look different than like, you know, what is, I'm just, I'm just trying to yeah. give language to maybe an idea that we would be feel some that I felt for sure with yeah. certain disciplines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like some of those areas were su- have been super easy. Uh-huh. Like the first couple times it's hard because, you know, you go out on a double date and the other couple gets a glass of wine or whatever. You're like, oh, you feel like the, like the nerd, right? It's like, I'm yeah. sorry, the Lord says I can't drink. Like it feels awkward. Even if you're a pastor, it still feels awkward, right? Yeah. It's so strange to say it. I feel like I can I- relate because we don't drink also. And that yeah. lit- like is a conviction that we, that it honestly was placed like when we were like, got married, we're like, we're not going to have that. And so, I mean, like I can relate totally with you on that aspect. And again, I'm not saying that's like, these are our convictions. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I can tell you a million things I've been convicted about. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So at first it was difficult, but then once our circle of friends and our family understood that we weren't, they stopped asking Mm -hmm. or they knew ahead of time that like, Hey, when we come over, we're not all going to share a bottle of wine. So they would buy something different. It was because they respected what we had to say and and our, our standards that we set. Um, it got way easier. And we, like we found, we didn't even miss it. Like we no longer even think about it. And I'm also happy to have like a much smaller bill when I go out for a date night. Right. <laughs> so I'm not yeah. buying, you know, $20 worth of wine or whatever. Um, but I will tell you the thing I think is r- the hardest for me. And this might sound really dumb. I have a hard time because we really guard what we watch in our home. Uh-huh. We really guard. Like we don't watch rated R period, even though we're adults and we can handle it and whatever. Right. And we've seen rated R in the past. We feel super convicted that we shouldn't. So if there if something great comes out, you know, in the movie theater or on TV or whatever, that's rated, you know, mature or, or rated R and everybody's watching it. It feels like you're missing out. It feels like, man, I really wanted to watch that show. I really like the concept of that, or yeah. I hear it's so creative or whatever. And to say no to that, and then every time someone brings it up to say, oh, well, you know, we don't really watch that or it just, it feels like you're missing out for sure. So yeah. I don't know for me, once I've said no to the show, like I don't go back and want to watch it. I'm just almost a little bit sad that I miss out on the the community piece of that. Like I can't join in the conversation, you know, even if it's not a show that's like horrible, you know, some shows are, are rated mature and they're not awful, but they're, they have things in them that we feel convicted. We shouldn't watch in that moment when you're sitting with your friends and they're like, I can't believe you haven't seen it. Do you feel like you have to walk that back in your mind and just say, okay, God, you know, like you satisfy every desire that I have. This is your idea, not mine. Like, do you have to, in that moment, walk it back? How do we feel comforted in a moment when we're like, yeah. oh, well, I kind of feel uncool conviction here. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> ever cool? Never. That's why it's God and conviction (laughs) and awkward and whatever. I think the thing that helps me a lot in those situations is I'm reminded of the fruit that comes when I'm disciplined with the Lord. Again, I get rid of comparison. So I don't worry about what they're convicted of versus what I'm convicted of. I will always share my story when someone asks like, why don't you guys do this? Or why don't you watch that? Or whatever. I always share my story. And then yes, thinking back on God, what is it you told me originally? Remind me that you satisfy me. I'm always asking, show me the fruit of this. Show me the fruit of my life of this. 
And it's really funny. I'll share a quick story. So my son just started middle school this year. He's a sixth grader. So he's in that awkward middle school. They were talking about cussing at school because one of the teachers was reading a classic novel that had some cussing. And anytime there's a cuss word, my son said she would just point her finger down. Like someone's going to H E L L, you know, like, so she would just point and not say the word. And he said that there were kids in his class that said, you can just go ahead and say it. We know cuss words. It's no big deal. What, you know, whatever. And my son said, I told them, well, my parents don't cuss. And they all said, what are you talking about? Every parent cusses. He's like, no, I'm serious. My parents don't cuss. I don't ever hear them cuss, like even at home. And so it was cool to see the fruit of our convictions uh-huh. in son in an awkward stage of life where he's learning who he is and what it means to be a part of school and society. And he was still able to articulate, hey, my parents live differently than other people's parents. And I was really encouraged by that. Oh my goodness. I'm so proud of him too. Like you have a, like <laughs> that boldness. Everyone's like, oh, live a bold life. Be brave. You have to be different to live that out. Like it's not like we're carbon copies and that is what t- it takes to be bold. Like it's doing that, like looking different. I mean, and that's like what God calls us to. The enemy likes to do is likes to isolate us and think, oh, you're alone and the idea that you have from God and it's like, heck no, you're not alone. (laughs) Okay. I want to know, do you have anything exciting coming up this year? Either like your church, believe boldly, like you guys, like tell me if there's anything like that you have brewing that we can be excited for. Yeah. So again, like you mentioned the five session that will come out this year sometime whenever that is. (laughs) And this is more maybe personal, but people that are interested or, or, or feel intrigued can latch on to, um, Joey and I have been in ministry together. Gosh, since we first, so we got married when I was 21. So it's been since then we've done ministry together and this is his first role as the lead pastor. So we've done everything from kids ministry to music ministry. I mean, we've been in all parts of the church, which has really equipped us to do this thing. And so what I have loved watching and anticipating for in this year is the fullness of this calling that God has placed on Joey and myself. Currently, he's recognized as a lead pastor, but we're we're working together so that we're co-leads together. Something that our elder board agrees with and supports. And um, so it's a, it's a matter of letting him get his feet firmly planted. And then as God leads and as the timing is right for me to take on more responsibility and stuff, I would invite people, if you want to see that come to fruition, see his growth, all of that would be to go to our YouTube channel, which is New River TV. Our worship pastors, David and Madison, fish. They are some of the most powerfully anointed worship leaders I've ever, first of all, worked with, but been under even like in sitting uh, in worship, uh, Madison's led worship at Believe Boldly Retreats before, before we were ever, you know, working for a church together, God brought us together. And so to watch the worship videos, to watch the preaching, engage in that way, I think God is doing something, not I think, I know God is doing something really powerful and it's really cool as Joey's wife to watch it. (laughs) So that would be the thing I'm excited about right now in this season. And it's a cool place to be able to support my husband in that way because I am not a husband supporter. I'm a, what can Erica do person? (laughs) Like, I like to like, what's my goal and what are my visions? And so when God says like, Hey, support your husband, I'm like, "Uh, I mean, he's fine. Right. Does he really need me? So God's growing that in me. And so it's cool to be in a place where I get to sit back and watch what God is doing in him and kind of cheer him on from the side. That way we can pray alongside you guys. Cause that is (laughs) so exciting as you're like growing and continuing to be obedient. I'm so excited to watch that. Thank you for giving us like the link so we can pay attention to it. Are you going to be speaking or coming any places? I know the world is kind of opening up right now a little bit, like slowly, but surely Avery. 
spoke nothing but amazing things when you came and led at the conference at Anchor Point. I am a big believer when people invest in our community, like the Gulf Coast, that there I believe in the spillover 100%. Thank you so much for coming across. Thank you for coming across the country and taking time to, for our people. I mean, are you going to be back anytime soon? Are you pretty settled in Hudson for a while? We're scheduled to speak at an we, my husband and I, we're going to be going back to Kansas City here in the spring to do an event there. Don't know quite the details on that, but Avery has spoken to me about coming back for the women's event this year in the fall. So, Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I got to get tickets then for sure. Cause I just heard it was so good last year and I can't believe I missed out. Now that we're friends, I for sure am coming. Oh, so good. I'm excited. You mentioned Kansas City. I'm from Missouri, outside of Columbia. I'm going to visit family in August, and we always go to Kansas City um, just like for day trips. There's always something new to explore. So tell me, like, what do you love about Kansas City, and what is the thing that I don't know that I need to check out, even though I'm, like, born and raised Missouri, and it's an ever-growing, ever-changing city. For sure. Oh man. So what I love about Kansas city is everything. Like that was one of my big obedient steps. And I talk about that in the book of the city to come to Texas. I was like, are you kidding me? This is like my heartbeat. I love this place. I love everything about it. And Texas is brown and dead and I hate it. I love the fact that when you were in Texas, you were still so admin of being like, I'm from Kansas city. (laughs) Oh yeah. And yes, exactly. I will like correct people, you know, like, no, no, I'm not from here. Y'all are crazy. You know what? No, no. I'm from Kansas city. It's a a different world to answer that question. I love everything about Kansas city. I love Mm. the art culture. I love the landscape. I love the trees and the green grass and season changes, the barbecue. So there are different things that I love about it as far as what to do, but I don't know if you've ever been to the Kaufman Gardens that are in the middle of Kansas City. They're by the plaza. Have you ever been to the plaza at a shop? I have of course been to the plaza. Have you, is this talking about the badminton thing? That's the art gallery. It's an art Atkins Art Gallery, which is one of my favorite things too. It's along yeah. that same area, but it's okay. like in between there and the plaza. And it's um, a garden that when Joey and I planted, helped plant a church in inner city, Kansas City, right down the street from the art gallery and everything. And one day when I was looking for something to do with the kids, because they were little and driving me crazy, we just need to get out of the house. I realized that there was this huge garden in the middle of Kansas City that I had no idea was even there. So it's from the Kaufman family, which if you're in the Kansas City area, you know, they, yeah, they have Kaufman a lot of things in their name. You know, one of their gardens that you there's trails through it. It's beautiful landscape. You can go into like a little building. It's like an educational building. And so if you're someone with kids, it's really cool. Um, And if you're an adult that just wants to go sit on a bench and be in nature, it's the greatest and it's free. You just walk through. It's amazing. Oh yeah. I'm definitely going to go and check it out. I love a good nature trail. Is there anything else I need to know about Kansas city? Um, It used to be called Oklahoma Joe's, but it's Joe's KC now, which is the greatest barbecue on the face of the planet. It's Mm -hmm. uh, a restaurant inside a gas station, which is part of the humor of it all. (laughs) So it was started in the gas station. It's just this tiny little area. And when you go there to get food, the line will be wrapped around the building. And there are so many people that come, you cannot save a seat when you get in. So you're not allowed to grab a table until you have ordered your food because they have like this perfect system where however much food they put out at whatever rate is exactly the amount of seats that they have in the restaurant. So you think there's nowhere to sit. The minute you get your food, you turn around and there's three open tables and you take your seat. And if you try 
to sit early, they will call you on it and tell you to get off the table and go back in line. Like you can't cheat the system. People will call you out on it, but their ribs are insane. Insane. Best barbecue ever. Okay, perfect. I can't wait to go. Then that sounds so awesome. Thank you again for the book, for hanging out with me, for new experience for us to take the fives and do it on our own. And so excited for it. We always close the podcast because it's called Still With You. It comes from Psalms 139.18. Erica, I would just love to know, you can answer this however you want. Um, Where is God still with you? I love that you asked that question because he's retraining me to be still right now because of the season that I'm in with starting a new job. I've been working from home for nine years or been at a stay-at-home mom for nine years. So I've had a much more flexible schedule. So now that I'm working for the church almost full-time and I have a one-year-old, so I've been in the baby stage during COVID, right? This whole year, it's like God is, he's been poking at my heart and saying, where's your stillness? So the thing that I've been digging into right now is getting up early again, not quite five yet, but trying to get up before my daughter Reagan wakes up so that she's, you know, needing a bottle and all the things. My still space is there. Um, But what he's really been helping me do is in the the midst of the busyness of my day of the schedules and three kids and husband and church is he like, it's like he gets my attention to pay attention to the sunset. Like I went for a run the other day um, and I saw a, a fox and it's like, I've never seen a fox in real life. This is, you know, it's like he has me stop on the path and look at that. Mm-hmm. So he's retraining me to be still um, in the way that he wants to interact with me and be still. He can interact with us when we're busy, but there's something special about the quiet. I was about to say, like, get the book and it'll help you alongside retraining, but also the Bible. The Bible retrains us so much in so many ways. Um, You mentioned like cancel culture earlier. I think that we have to give ourselves so much grace to unlearn, reframe, retrain. I keep looking at the beautiful like boat painting behind you and I'm like, (laughs) and like allow God to like tell you exactly how to reframe it or even just like to grow closer with him. I love it. Thank you so much, friend. You're amazing. I cannot wait to meet you in person, hopefully in the fall. Gosh, love so much fun. Yes. Thank you so much. You're awesome. I hope you love my conversation with Erica. And if you would love to connect with her, please visit her website, believeboldly.com. You can find her book, Believe Boldly, on Amazon. All of the ways that you can connect with her are found in the show notes for this episode. Visit coleybrowning.com to find the official show notes page, plus more information about Erica. If there's anything that I can do to help you, pray for you, encourage you, I want to make myself available. You can connect with me again by using my website, coleybrowning.com or you can always find me on social media my handle is Coley Browning. that's k-o-h-l-i-e-m browning like the rifle i would absolutely love to hear from you as always with a grateful heart i want to say thank you to my friend gabrielle grace for sharing her song will be all right for the music for this season of the podcast and make sure you check out her website gabriellegracemusic.com she is going on tour all summer long and i cannot wait for you to bend some of her music this season she is incredible and i also want to thank you so much for taking a moment out of your week to hang out with us on the podcast much like the topics that erica and i talked about along with the title of her book believe boldly please go out into the world be bold be brave be you and remember that he is still with you.